Welcome to C3 Church Tagra. You're about to hear a message from Luke Boyd. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Have you ever heard those um, people uh, that are like, oh, don't you know that Easter, like, pretty sure it was created by, like, these pagan gods? They were the first ones to do it. Well, our God is such a boss, he took the thing over and made it his own. That's my personal opinion. <laughs> um, so where's the, where's the cool gods that made up Easter? They're not around anymore. Um, I'm sure some Norwegians probably get into it still. I don't know. They're crazy. Have you ever seen a Norwegian dance like a Viking? Um, I don't know. This is, I've got a, I had another apple this morning for breakfast. And so look out. Who knows? I, feel, I think it's my thing now. A Sunday comes along. I'm going to have an apple for breakfast. It makes me crazy. And I like it. Feels good. Um, so... Has anyone, can I please see a show of hands, has anyone ever struggled in life? Yeah, anyone? Oh, wait. I think I just saw every hand go up. That's amazing. And put your hand back up if you've ever struggled or you've been stressed or you've had anxiety. Put them up. Put them, come on, put your hands up. And just look around. Now, Now that your hands are up, just look around. You see everyone that struggled? Doesn't it feel good to know that you're not alone in your struggle? It's good, isn't it? But coming around uh, this theme, the power of the cross, wowzers. What a great theme to be um, doing. Um, can I just uh, throw it out there? Who remembers doing the, the Born Identity course? Wasn't that awesome? Um, it's a great course to refresh your memory about uh, the power of the cross. Uh, in there, you'll find so much good stuff about the power of the cross and what it's, what it's done for us and who it's made us become. The, the power of the cross, Get re-go re through your, your born identity uh, course. If, if you haven't done it, if you haven't um, even heard of the born identity, please uh, tap the person next to you because they've probably got the book and say, can I please borrow it? Because I'd like to give it. It's a really, really cool stuff. You learn a lot about the power of the cross. Power of the cross. So when a, a, a preacher gets told, oh, we're, we're going to do a, a, a preach, this is our theme, we're going to do the power of the cross. Like, for me, I go, oh my gosh, I'm going to do this, I want to do that, I want to do this, I want to do that. Uh, my mind just explodes. It's like, where do I even start here? Um, it's so... Uh, it's phenomenal, but um, I know that Pastor Phil and Julie and the rest of the preaching team are going to do such an incredible job at uh, relaying all the revelation, all of the, the profound uh, beauty and mystery that's been made available to us through the cross. And I just want to just have a little look at something that um, I guess it, it, it's uh, close to all of us. <laughs> and it's something that doesn't really get um, touched on too much. So we're going to go through it. It's going to be a lot of fun, and um, I think it's going to be, we're going to have a good time, aren't we, church? Yeah. 
Yes, good positive feedback. That's great. Feeling the love. So, Candice, darling, whenever I say things about you, I never tell you that I'm going to do it, do I? It's the best way. Husbands, if you ever want to get away with something, do it like that. Uh, so, uh, Candice, she's been struggling for a pretty long time now. We're talking about struggles. We're talking about suffering. Um, she's been struggling for a while now, quite some time, um, about 11 and a half years, which coincidentally, coincidentally, um, it ties into how long we've been married. And I still don't really see the connection, but um, nevertheless, she struggles. It's, is it coincidence? I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence. It probably isn't. It's probably directly related um, to that event that happened about 11 and a half years ago. Um, no. Probably a little bit of truth in that, but um, who would want to be married to me? Oh, it would be so bad. Uh, I think about it. Sometimes, you know, when you put yourself into someone else's shoes, <laughs> and I think about being Candace, and I was like, oh, gosh. Wow. But, hey, you love me somehow, and that works for us, so that's good. Um, thank God. Thank God for a gracious woman. But, so, let's be a little bit more real. Um, so, Candace has had struggles in the past where um, she's come to me for solace because I'm like this great, wise um, guy that's got it all together, has everything, you know, if you ever have a problem, come see me, I'll fix it. Um, so, Candace, every now and then, she struggles and she comes to me. And there was this one particular time where... Uh, there were some females, and they were making life difficult, very, very difficult for you. And you came to me, um, obviously seeking the, the divine wisdom that flows uh, through me, and um, I just said some pretty big... Oh, okay, so... My logic and reason is impeccable. I don't know if you've ever had a good conversation with me. You'll realise that I'm pretty cluey. Uh, so I just gave you the, the cold, hard, straight facts of the matter and um, just fixed it. Pretty much thought I gave you the exact thing you needed to do to fix the problem and move on. Let's move forward. Um, don't dwell here. And of course, Candace was hurt by that. Um, Needless to say, she's completely wrong for feeling hurt by me. I don't know why she would feel hurt by me. I'm the good guy here. I don't know. I don't understand it. No. Has anyone had a struggle and had a person come up to them and just try and tell them how to fix it and, and just go, oh, you're struggling. They have no real time. They just want to give you something, shut you up and, and leave you there. You ever felt that? And isn't that such a... Um, it never feels good, does it? When we're in our struggle, we don't, we're not looking really for logic and reason and the immediate fixture because we already know it's more, far more complicated than that. And 
what I find that we need as people, in those moments, what we're really looking for is for someone just to be with us. Someone just to be with us. And what I find is even better is if whatever the struggle is, and isn't it funny, the people that always give you the, the, the info, it's like they've never struggled in their life. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm not taking advice from you. Look at your life. It's awesome. Seriously. You don't know what I'm going through. Um, but what we're looking for is someone to be with us. And even better is when you know someone has gone through a similar uh, experience to you, and they can just be with you and understand and be there for you. And that, those people, those people are the ones that usually when you've, you've come out of the season, everything's new, everything's fresh, you often look back and go, oh, thank God for that person. They were the one that got me through. They were the one. They didn't give me the answers. They didn't give me the, all the quick fixes. They were just there with me. And they helped me through just by being there and having understanding, having compassion. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal thing. And so, obviously, um, I've learned from my ways and I've never done anything like that again. Not even once. Heaps of times. Uh, still can't work it out. This is one of the reasons why I would struggle to be married to me. Whenever I have a problem with Candace, <laughs> haven't had too many, have I? Um, I say something, say it's like, Candace, look, and this is a genuine thing for me, it was for us. So Candace, toothpaste lid, it's got to go down at the end of your use. <laughs> Leaving it open makes it pretty crusty. Not a fan of crusty toothpaste. Can you shut the lid? You heard it, you listened straight away, and I've never had to worry about it ever again. But me, when I do stupid things, I just can't seem to get it together, and I always go for the quick logical fix. I never just be there. But I have learned, and we've got some things that we do now where I just jump on the bandwagon with you sometimes, say, oh, what a cow, and you know. <laughs> And we just, we just sit in it and we experience it. So if you are a husband, let me tell you, you are kicking goals if you use the line, what a cow, and sit in it. Mate, they'll be putty in your hands. It's true. They're like, oh, you're so in tune. Oh, this is awesome. No, no. Okay. I've got to get back to it. Um... That's incredible. Um, did Frank make that? I just look at that and think Frank made it. Oh, Andy, mate. I bet the people uh, a few, couple of thousand years ago would have done anything to have this kind of finish. This is incredible. That's the deluxe model. You had to pay for that one. Um, the state didn't give you that, let me tell you. The empire was never going... Anyway... Come on. Pax Romana. Anyone? Does anyone? Has anyone ever heard of Pax Romana? Of course the Cairns have heard of it. 
From now, I'm going to say, has anyone heard of this besides the Cairns? Oh, and of course, Mark De La Costa. Um, no, it's all good. Um, I'm okay with that. Uh, but it helps if no one knows. It makes me feel really smart, but now I don't feel so smart. Average. Probably not average, but no, I've got to come on. Pax Romana. Now, what is it? It means Roman peace. Okay? And this was the idea of the Roman Empire, and it was their goal, was Pax Romana. Their goal of their empire was Pax Romana. And what did they do? They went out and just demolished everyone around them. They went out and they thought, we're going to take over the world so that we can achieve Pax Romana. I'm pretty sure they, was that pretty close? Yeah, yeah, Mark's giving me, yeah. Um, Pax Romana. And so they were going around, they were stomping guys out and taking over places. Uh, and it, the, the whole thing was to do with Pax Romana. Um, and at the peak of their conquest, they were like so happy with themselves that they that achieved it. And they were like, yeah, yeah, this is amazing. This is incredible. So um, it was about Roman peace. So I guess you could say that amongst the early civilizations, uh, Rome was one of the first to really go for uh, world peace. That was their thing, right? Pretty cool, hey, world peace, that's a pretty cool thing. Except for the fact that uh, peace to the Romans wasn't exactly the peace that we would think of. So peace to the Romans wasn't the fact that there was no war in that moment. That wasn't peace. Peace was only achieved uh, to the Roman way of thought when Everyone around them was stomped and subdued to the point they could never come up against them, never uprise. They, they crushed them. They debilitated everyone around them. And in that moment when no one could rise up against them, then and only then could they have Pax Romana. Pretty um, crazy. And what they would do, uh, so what they would do, if you tried to resist the empire, see what would happen is the, the empire's armies, they'd go into a place, <clears throat> they'd hold out the sword, they'd take you over first of all, you, you were crushed, you were debilitated, then they'd go up to the people in the town and say, confess Caesar is Lord with a sword. Um, confess Caesar is Lord, pay his taxes, this is what you've got to do. And if you do that, then cool, then you're a part of the empire. Awesome, hey, good job, nice to have you along um, for the ride. Um, but if you resisted, what generally ended up happen, happening was the Romans got really, really good at instilling fear into people. And re- they, fear tactics was a big part of their uh, empire. And they they actually got really good at the thing that we're coming around uh, called crucifixion. Um, Some other civilizations dabbled with it, but the Romans really got it down to a fine art. Now, the thing that they wanted to do 
was their goal was with a crucifixion was to cause the maximum, maximum amount of pain and suffering as much as a human could take and keep you alive for as long as possible. They didn't want a quick death. It's not so, you're not making too much of it. You're making a statement back then, not so much. You had to go for as gruesome and as brutal as possible. And we had to make it really, really long so that it would just be, oh my gosh, look at this. It was so confronting so that whoever else was there would be thinking, there's no way I'm going to resist. There's no way. The whole point was to get everyone so afraid to resist. And so that is how they did it. They invented this cross, which is just, um, it is totally barbaric. It is, it is, I mean, a lot of people have done studies into what it does to the body. Um, It's just incredible the amount of suffering that goes on when someone is hung on a cross. It is absolutely... um, it's chilling, to be honest. It's actually chilling. Um, and so, roughly about 2,000 years ago, uh, God came to earth in the flesh. In the flesh. Um, now, his disciples and his many followers, uh, they ended up believing that Jesus was both fully God and fully human. Just mind-blowing stuff. Absolutely mind-blowing stuff. I love it. The implicate, oh, it's phenomenal. Please look into that church. If you get some spare time, you want to know more about Jesus, look into what it is to be fully God and fully human. It it makes perfect sense of everything. Um, So God, to to those early disciples to the to the people the first christians um to them god was walking with them to them god was eating meals with them having a drink with them um he would be hungry and thirsty with them he would be stressed he would feel cold with them he would feel hot with them this god was walking with the people And it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal thought, a phenomenal thought. God lived alongside his now fellow humanity. I'll say that again. God began to walk with his now fellow humanity. And the early Christians, they they believed that when Jesus went to the cross, that was God on the cross. God was on the cross and Jesus did die a terrible death. He was betrayed, he was beaten, he was bruised, he was bloodied. Jesus, this, this God hung on a cross. Why? Why? To make peace with everything and everyone on earth. 
reconciling us back to God and dealing with the world's sin problem once and for all. Now, what we, what we need to stop and think about here, okay, the idea that a God would come, walk with, talk with, do life with, experience the, to- the totality of what it is to be human, this was a totally radical thought in, the, in, in human history. People didn't think of gods as doing things like that, especially dying on a cross. Gods, all the gods that people knew of back then, they were, they were separate from men. They were above. You always had to try and win them over. All the other gods, you had to win them over. And if you didn't, you're suffering the wrath. There were all kinds of sacrifices made. They had to do certain exploits to, just, to, just to try and win these gods over. So this idea was so revolutionary. It was so new. It was so like a god has come and allowed himself to like be hungry. A god, has allowed, a god has come and allowed himself to feel to, to, to experience this human life in its totality. Not only that, this God has come and suffered one of the most gruesome of deaths a human could... Okay, so if the cross wasn't bad enough, all the lashes he received before that, that would kill people. Half the amount he got would kill people. This is just... What, like, what is the thinking behind it? Do you know what I mean? Like, imagine what people would have been thinking. Why on earth would a God do something? Why would he allow himself to be subjected to that? <laughs> it's one of those things. It doesn't make sense, does it, at first glance? It doesn't make sense. Why would a God do that? Why? However, the true God did come to be with us, experience the fullness of humanity, only to love us the whole time, the whole time, all the way to death on a cross. I just got to mention again, to us that have grown up with this, it just, it, it becomes like a normal thought pattern. Oh, yeah, yeah, God came, died for us, yeah, yeah. But this is so beyond profound. This is, when people first thought this concept through, it blew their minds. Why on earth would a God do this? Why would he subject himself to such horrors? See, according... Um, So God, he came to be with us. But according to Roman Empire, to the Roman Empire, world peace was achieved through coercive and manipulative violence. And according to Christianity, peace will be experienced by sacrificial love. Another mind-blowing thing at the time. Mind-blowing. This wasn't peace. How do you get peace from sacrificing yourself? You've got to kill everyone first before you get peace. 
No, he flipped the whole, the whole thing on its head. How the world was rolling at the time, flipped it all on its head. No, I'm not going to go as God and just like get everyone to just be crushed to the point where they will, oh, yeah, yeah, you're Lord, you're Lord. No, complete opposite. He died for everyone. He took on everything. This, this is just mind-blowing stuff. My, it's just, you, you could, like, just the, um, how, like, scandalous and how, like, oh, my gosh, have you heard about Jesus, this God that the Christians are talking about? Look, like, this is his, we've been under this Roman Empire, they've been doing this. It's compl- it would have just been mind-blowing. No wonder it grew so fast. Because all of a sudden, it was like the light was turned on. Truth was revealed. The mysteries of God had finally come into the world. And it absolutely exploded within. This all happened. This story of Jesus, this all happened within the Roman Empire. They were the ones ruling and reigning at the time. They were the ones that were crushing people, telling people, confess Caesar is Lord, pay him our taxes, debilitate... And in the greatest of circumstances, in the greatest of um, just being under trial and under tribulation, it was crazy how many martyrs. In, in that scenario, Christianity exploded and just overtook the world. To the point where our God took over Easter. That's pretty cool. Um, Let's just have a look at Colossians, church. If you've got a Bible, let's turn to Colossians. I just want to read one passage of Scripture. It's one of my favorites, actually, um, but I'm going to cut it short. So, so good. If you want to turn with me, it's Colossians 1, and we'll start at 15. And it says... The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. This is so phenomenal, these next two verses. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. I just want to read these two verses again. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace 
through his blood shed on the cross. And so now, this cross, this first century killing machine, has become so much more than what it was intended to be. It's become a beacon of hope for millions, even billions now. Isn't it weird that something so intended for the most vicious, the most phenomenal pain and suffering is now the image that we look at as a beacon of hope. How many people are wearing a necklace or wearing earrings or a bracelet or a tattoo of the cross? So many people, I'm telling you, so many people wear it. No one wears, you know, <laughs> no, no one wears like a, um, like a guillotine or like a lethal injection needle as their emblem of, it's just not. Only God can do these miraculous things. And so now, let's just have a look. What does the cross remind us of? The cross now reminds us that God came to be with us. That God came and suffered alongside of us, felt hunger, felt pain, felt betrayal, felt stress, felt anxiety, felt like God turned his back on him, felt everything that you could possibly imagine. He felt it. He lived it. He experienced it. And the cross reminds us that we are forgiven. The cross reminds us that we have a God that can honestly say, I know how you feel. You're not alone. And I'm with you all the way. In your suffering, in your struggle, in your lack of peace, we are the only one that have a God that comes alongside of us and says, I'm here with you. No other God can say that. No other God can say, oh yeah, I know how you feel. No, you don't. You've never been a human. No, you don't. You didn't suffer the way the, the one true God suffered. You don't know how I feel. No other religion will give you a God that knows exactly how you feel because he became, in his full godness, became full human at the same time. It's profound. He connected us. Like the scripture says, he reconciled everything back to himself. And what more beautiful way could you do that than to become like us, to know us, 
to bring us back and give us the perfect human to say, hey, mate, I know exactly how you feel. Let me be with you in the midst of your suffering. Let me give you hope. Let me give you the strength you need. Let me be the one that is with you through it all. So, so profound. So the cross reminds us that we have a God that can honestly say, I know how you feel. You're not alone. I am with you all the way. And lastly, the cross reminds us that everything has already been done for you. Everything has already been done for you. You don't have to try and win this God's um, affections or his attention or his love. You don't have to try and win that. You already have it. He is now trying to win yours. He's flipped it all on its head. He's flipped it all on its head, just like he's done the whole time. Now, humanity isn't trying to win the affections of God. Now, God has done his best to win your affections. He's let it all, he laid it all out. He's loved us. For God so loved the world. Why did he do this most scandalous thing? Become a human and allow himself? Because he loved the world. He loved everyone. He's only ever wanted what's best for us. He's only ever wanted to love us and to let us feel and experience life in all of its fullness, the way he designed it. God is absolutely the lover of humanity. He is not the hater. He is not the one that's always waiting to judge you and kick your butt. You never have to try and win his affections. He or you already have it. You already have it. You already have it. You've always had it. You've never had to earn anything. You've always had it. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.